0: Welcome back to the Battery with Cap and Pat.
1: Hey guys, welcome back in. Uh, as always, we appreciate you stopping by. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you check out our Instagram at the Battery underscore Podcast. Got any questions that want to be on the show? Make sure to DM us and/or comment. Mike will kind of send us the send us those questions our way, and we'll be sure to get those on the uh, on the air. So make sure you guys do that. Um, outside of that, our wonderful partners. Make sure you check them out as well. Um, But today, we're going to kind of go over the AFC and NFC championship games to kind of see what went on there and and where we're going from there into Super Bowl weekend. But to start off the show, I want to play the world's smallest violin for our producer, Mike. I know know that the battery guaranteed a Buffalo win. Uh, Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, But we're going to to break that down and, and why that wasn't able to happen. So I'm going to bring Pat in. And we're gonna we're gonna open it up with the AFC Championship game. Kansas City went 38 24. obviously, the, the score looks a little skewed with the late scoring by Buffalo and the recovered of the onside kick there at the end of the game. But still obviously still lost by 14 points. So, in my opinion, obviously Patrick Mahomes has had much more of the playoff experience. Than Josh Allen. Josh Allen kind of got a taste of it last year in that game against Houston, where they were they weren't able to pull it out late there um, in overtime, I believe. But I don't want to say that Josh Allen's inexperience kind of showed up because early in the game, it looked really good. Like like, I mean, obviously the Bills went up nine. Nothing should have been ten if if they didn't hit the crossbar, but. For a minute there, I think a lot of people thought, even Kansas City fans, hey, this might not be our night. Like a lot of people have been saying lately, here come the Bills, and and, and they're the team to beat, even though Kansas City was obviously pretty much a clear-cut team of the year. But Buffalo was that team that was coming in really hot, really didn't have much to stumble over going into that game. I mean, the last, last loss they have, was in Arizona to Kyler Murray when he throws a 60-yard bomb to the end zone with zeroes clock, right? So do you think at, at any point in that game that Kansas City's, just, their experience of being in the playoff and what they had to deal with last year's playoff where every single game they were down at least double digit in last year's playoff, do you think that helped them with what happened last Sunday against
0: the Bills? Yeah, man, for sure. You know, um, good to be back. All that fun stuff. Playoffs were kind of what we expected. But I would say, honestly, I think that that's kind of what the Chiefs wanted, man. I don't think they wanted to come out and win 48-0. Uh, as weird as this sounds, I think they wanted a challenge. <laughs> I, You know, going down 10-0 or, or 9-0 early. Um, and, you know, besides that first drive, Josh Allen... Kind of it kinda of looked like he fell off a little bit after that first drive if you if you like watch the game. But I don't know. It it was your typical Mahomes come out and we're just gonna win the game. I mean, not you know, you and me were watching that game, you know, I we talked a little bit at halftime. Um I think it's fair to say that we both thought Buffalo was gonna, you know, win that game after the start they had. Um I thought Buffalo's defense was going to step up a little bit. And then Kansas City pretty much said, hold my beer. Here's Tyreek Hill. Here's the of, – and, of course, you know, I think I think you might have mentioned it or maybe we both said it at the same time. The minute that dude from Kansas City fumbled the football to give the Bills a touchdown, you knew he was going to come in and have a big game. Uh, it was – and then what, the very next drive for the Chiefs, don't they – Um, I'm pretty sure he scores the touchdown and has a big play. Yeah. Yeah, And then the next drive, he has a really big play. Yeah. He
1: had that big screen play that pretty much got them all the way down the field. And then sure enough, he's the guy that ends up in the end zone as well. But it's interesting that you brought up the whole Josh Allen thing, because I, I know like I was talking with a few people during the game as well. And they were saying Josh Allen kind of just like went out of his whole game plan, you know, like there, there was plays there where, where Allen had the opportunity to just kind of either check it down real quick and or, or, really just hold on to it and run and for, for the beginning of the game that's what he was doing and then all of a sudden they got down a touchdown and their whole game changed their whole game plan changed you know and I think that might have been the issue for Buffalo in that game is in, in in the past few weeks they haven't had the issue of having to come back in games right they've been in close games where they might be down a touchdown right and and, and, and were able to come back but They, I think, what got in their head is, oh no, we're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. We got to play a different ball game to try to win this, right? And that, and that's, I mean, that's that's fair to say because that's what most teams do, right? You see that in in sports all over the place. People go out of their game plan and out of their system just because of one, either the opponent they're playing or or what's showing on the scoreboard. And I think that's what got the Bills in trouble. The run game for. Buffalo the entire night was just not there I mean Allen Allen led it with 88 yards right which I mean that's that's a substantial amount of yardage but against the team against Kansas City where you have to keep them off the field you have to you have to at least get to the 100 yard 125 yard mark right you're not going to win a game against Kansas City by a shootout it's just not going to happen and I know we talked about the, the, our last our last episode where if Buffalo and Kansas City get in a shootout, it's it's you you get a clear cut favorite. But if but if you have a game where it's twenty one to seventeen, then I think you're looking at it a little differently. And I think honestly, Buffalo's defense was coming into that game a lot stronger where they're at in their season than what Kansas City was. Kansas City was kind of a team at the end of the year there. Where I mean, look at the game against Atlanta. They couldn't stop Atlanta's offense. And that was Mahomes' last game of the regular season. They could not stop Atlanta's offense at all. And they got lucky enough that Atlanta's defense kind of just gave up, right? But, I mean, look at Mahomes' this night, 29 for 38, 325 yards and three touchdowns. Williams led the carries with, and, and the yardage with 13 carries for 52 yards and a tutty. And then Tyree Kill just does Tyree Kill, right? He's running all over the field. Um, obviously a, a, a clear cut talent on the field every time he's on a, a major threat that I think Tampa is going to very, is going to struggle with immensely, but going back to the, the Buffalo side of things. I mean, after the game, it comes out cold, Cole, Be- Cole Beasley is pretty much playing with a broken body, you know, <laughs> and, um, that that's unfortunate for the bills. Stefan Diggs was present but not a superstar by any means of what you saw in the past few weeks. I think after the the attitude that you saw on the bench with Patrick Mahomes and and really the whole chief sideline maybe outside of Williams that kind of had that rough start I looking at the way the, their composure mentality it was scary. I mean you don't just get punched in the mouth, go down nine, nothing like that. And just say, Hey, here's 21 answered unanswered. Right. Or, uh, yeah, 20, 21 and points and go into the half with, with a substantial lead. Right. But again, it's Kansas city and it's Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't see Another quarterback, even maybe even Trevor Lawrence, having the type of success that Patrick Mahomes has had at the beginning of the year. Right. I mean, you, you look at you look at quarterbacks that are in the league now. I mean, look at Rodgers, Right. Look at I mean, I'm not going to use Brady as an example, because obviously Brady is the goat for a, lack of a better term. But look at the veteran quarterbacks that for years we've been. Wow. Look at that guy. Wow. Look at that guy. Look at the stats that Patrick Mahomes has already put up and is already doing. Do you think, Pat, by the end of his career, and he's already got one, do you think he's going to leave the NFL with the most NFL Super Bowl championships of all time?
0: Um, you know, man, I think we're – you, me, and Mike, you know, we, we, we got to see Tom Brady play, right? but we didn't get to see Tom Brady's whole career. We kind of like when we started to pay attention to football, maybe 2010, 2008 when they were undefeated. I would say that's when most people probably were like, "Oh, hey, look at Brady." I think we're saying we're seeing the same thing right now in Mahomes. I think you're seeing someone who I I now don't don't take this to the bank or anything, but I think Brady left the AFC for that reason. I, You know, Brady, he went to the NFC because he knows that, you know, the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. It's it's plain and simple. They're the best team in the NFL. Um, And I'm pretty sure Mahomes has been in the AFC Championship game every year of his career. And you're talking about, what, three to four years now he's been in the league? And, yeah, he's only made one Super Bowl, but... I think the team from last – the team that lost to the Patriots in OT, um, I think that really – how do I say it? I think that really turned the Chiefs around.
1: Well, in that I, game, if, if you recall, there was a fourth down that a Chief got called offsides when it should have been a false start, and that turned that whole game around. I remember yeah. that game clearly because I, I remember – that was kind of like the rise of Patrick Mahomes, Right. Him being able to stay in that game, everybody was kind of just Pat, – Patrick Mahomes wasn't really a – he was like a one-hit wonder, right? When you look at it – you look at a quarterback – I'll use like – I'll use Blake Bortles as an example, right? Remember when Blake Bortles was like the next big thing and had a really good good, good year, not career, but good year with Jackson for that year? Everybody kind of thought he was the guy. And then then he goes into the AFC Championship game and if I if I remember correctly, they, they were up like almost 20 points on Tom Brady in the AFC championship game, almost taking Jacksonville to the to the to the Super Bowl, right? And that kind of just made Blake Bortles like, like I said, the next big thing. I think that's what a lot of people thought Mahomes kind of was. I don't I, I don't know one person, even high NFL scouts. Obviously, they would have taken him way above Deshaun and definitely way above Mitchell Trubisky. Still shocks me to this day how, how Trubisky was the, the number one quarterback in that in that draft class. But nobody kind of saw that coming. And I think that was the game where people were like, okay, maybe this guy has something, right? And then he just keeps coming back and coming back. And I don't I know that he has the weapons around him, obviously. Right. I mean, I mean you you look, he's got the best, he's got the best tight end in the league, right? Look at his wide receiving core. He's got Tyreek Hill, probably the, one of the fastest men on the planet, right? Then you look at his backfield, and they just reloaded with Clyde Edwards-Elair, you know, and Bell, and and they got and they got all these guys. I understand the talent is surrounding him, but I think you put Patrick Mahomes in any system, and he's going to be successful. You put Patrick Mahomes in the New York Jets, he makes them a playoff team. I don't know if he makes them a Super Bowl team. He makes them a playoff team, at least, right? And then. I can kind of say the same thing for the Chiefs. I mean, if you if you put somebody in there like, I don't know, Mitchell Trubisky, right? You put Mitchell Trubisky in in a supporting role with with those type of guys with Kansas City. Yeah, I think Mitchell Trubisky probably has a little bit better outlook. I mean, in Chicago just things really haven't worked out for him. and and I'll be interested to kind of see where he goes from now considering I think that Deshaun Watson is most likely going to go to Kansas, or, uh, Chicago. Especially after today, with the news breaking that he's gonna—he has already requested a trade, and Chicago's already put in a, a pretty hefty offer. Um, but yeah, I, I think like like you said, and you brought up that you brought up that game. That game was Patrick Mahomes' win, and it, it pretty much got taken right away from him. And another blunder in NFL officiating in the postseason. But what else is new, right? So, with that said, where do you think Buffalo goes from here, Pat? do you think Buffalo is kind of just one of those teams where this is kind of their ceiling where it's Kansas city and done? I mean, I, I know you look at, you look at college football, right? There's teams year in and year out in the sec. I'll use Georgia as an example, right? Georgia is the Buffalo bills of college football, right? Cause when you look at, when you look at Alabama, right, i I'll, 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 I'll and I'm not comparing the Chiefs and Alabama because the Chiefs would absolutely destroy them like any NFL team would, but comparing it on a scale of, of Kansas City to Alabama, Georgia is like the Buffalo Bills. Georgia might have like an undefeated season or a one-loss year, and year in and year out, who is it that beats them? It's Alabama. And the year that Georgia makes a national championship, who do they lose to? Alabama, you know? comparing that where do you see the chiefs are going to be good and they're going to be good for a while where do you see buffalo going from here on to today's date
0: you know i think like i said before dude it's it's going to be hard for a team to beat the chiefs and i think we're going to see something that's kind of like what tom brady did in the afc for the past 20 years i think we're going to see the like obviously the chiefs and the afc championship game every year and you know they'll have their year where it's like a fluke where they lose or something you know or, or they just get beat one day um i i i think the i think the bills have plateaued i think they've reached where they want to be you know reaching the afc with your franchise quarterback um but i i think you need another year of proof from josh allen that he he can do it um you know, he kind of came on after a couple weeks this season and just absolutely got hot. And I think if you can get that out of him, you know, next year and then the year after and the year after, you know, you're talking about a team that could possibly win that, you know, that – what is that, the AFC East? Yeah, you're talking about a team that can win the AFC East division, you know, like the Patriots. They'd go on a little run. Um, but – you know, they're, they, they don't really have much to improve on offense. I I love their offensive game. I, you know, they have their, like you said, they, you know, they for some odd reason, they got away from it against the chiefs. Um, but I think, I think Buffalo's got a good identity on offense. Uh, I think they definitely could improve a little bit on defense, but you know, I said this multiple times before defense ain't going to win you a game. You're going to have to outscore the chiefs. <laughs> You're like, if, if I'm the bills and I think it was this year in the, uh, I think it was Ohio State had the score from the Clemson game up on their weight room all year, and I think that's what Buffalo's gonna have to do in order to be to beat Kansas City one year. Is they just got to go all in, and I don't think it matters who you add on defense. Um, Kansas City's gonna find a way to beat you. I think Andy Reid is just that creative. Um, I think right now, though, looking at it, I think those are your top two teams in the AFC for for the next coming years.
1: Kind of like what I said um, before the game is the way to beat Kansas city is to outscore them. Right. That's the, that's the only way you're going to beat Kansas city, Kansas city's defense is very vulnerable. And I think that's that's really one of the only ways you can beat them. Right. And that's why we talked about Buffalo has to stay on the ground in that game. And they, and they just weren't able to do that. But I kind of agree with you in the fact that it's the NFL. Right? Anybody can beat anybody, um, but looking at Kansas City, they're just one of those teams that are that are special, right? And they, they've they've got all the right pieces. They got the right coach uh, or coaches for that matter. And I think it's just going to have to be one of those things where Buffalo plays their game and and finds their way back in. Now I, I look at the AFC and, and I, I go back. To really to the wild card weekend, right? And how good each of those teams were. And I know we talked about how, with how talented the AFC is that we really didn't think that the Chiefs were going to be the team this year, right? And I think going into the Super Bowl with the Chiefs being able to, to play in the divisional round and, and really control, I mean, not control the Browns, but that they win the game and, and Gotta hold on tight there at the end because Patrick Mahomes gets knocked out and then and then I would say control the game against the Bills. I think Tampa is in a is in a tough spot. But then again, you, you got you got Tom Brady and we'll go into that in a second. But going back to the AFC, is there any teams outside of the Colts, the Bills, Ravens, Titans, Browns, Steelers, and the Chiefs? Do you see any of those te- – which team does not make the playoffs next year?
0: Um, Out of those teams, I would probably say the Colts because they don't know what they're going to have at quarterback. Um, you know, I don't see Deshaun Watson going to Indianapolis. I don't know why the Houston Texans would trade within your division um, just so he can come out and beat your lights out after you disrespected a guy that's meant so much to your organization. It's just – seems on, you know, from what we've seen, seems to be an all right person, uh, actually an incredible person. Um, I, I would, I'd probably have to go with the Colts on that one, just because they're just, I think they had a decent year. Uh, I think the Browns are in a good spot. I think the Ravens are in a good spot now that uh, Lamar has won his first playoff game. Uh, I, he, he's got that feeling of what it's like to win in the playoffs now. And I think more and more people are going to start to trust him and I think he's going to I think you're going to see a big growth from him next year. That's that's a hot take for me right now being in Louisville. But, you know, him winning that playoff game meant a lot for his career. If if he loses that game, I don't think he gets they're talking about extending him right now. And it looks like they're going to. But if he doesn't win that playoff game, I don't think they extend him. Mm-hmm. Um, Like I said, the Browns are in a good spot. I I think the Steelers are going to be the Steelers are always going to be around. You know, you got three – I think three of your playoff teams are going to come out of the AFC North again. I, I sure. just just think that. Um, I, I really don't see – like I said, I think the Colts are the only one that I don't see coming back next year. Right.
1: All right, well, that's going to do it for our AFC talk. After this short break, uh, we'll be back, and we'll, we'll kind of cover what the NFC had to hold for us, and then we'll, we'll preview our Super Bowl, uh, and we'll be right back.
2: What's up, everyone? We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming with the Battery Podcast to let you guys know about the newest and hottest business podcast on the market. I'm Alec Agopian, a teammate of Blake Kaplan and Every riddle and I'm a host of the Dialed In Podcast. We have conversations with successful business professionals in hopes of inspiring our audience to learn from their career experiences. Our first two episodes just recently Recently dropped. And on the first one, we spoke with the Golden State Warriors general manager, Bob Myers. And on the second, we spoke with a sales and marketing director from Boeing. Come check us out and learn a thing or two from the best that these businesses and teams have to offer. Again, that's dialed in podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen.
1: All right, Pat, I'm going to bring you in. We're going to talk about the NFC Championship game between the Bucks and the Packers. And uh, Buccaneers won it at 31 26. Tom Brady was 20 for 36, 280 yards, three touchdowns, and three picks. Fournette led it with 55 yards and a tutty. Uh, Goodwin had five receptions, 110 yards. Rodgers, 33 for 48, 346 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Aaron Jones, six carries, 27 yards. And Scalding led it with four receptions, 115 yards, and one touchdown. Early and often, this game was Tampa, Tampa, Tampa right? Tampa kind of looked like a team that was going to wipe Green Bay off the field and Green Bay kind of didn't allow allowed it to happen but didn't allow it to happen and if Kevin King wasn't on the field it might have been a different game, right? At the end of the half there, they give up a, 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 a single high coverage touchdown with less than 20 seconds on the clock. What kind of play calling was that? I, I couldn't tell you but The Packers, again, can't get it done. And this is back-to-back years in the NFC Championship game. It just doesn't happen. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is the one to blame. I don't know if it's the coaching you blame. Who do you blame? Because there's somebody. Is it the GM? Who do you blame, Pat, for for the Packers' inability to win the game they need to to get to the Super Bowl?
0: Um, You know, this year... I just think they got outplayed by the Bucs. I think it's that plain and simple. I think the Bucks were the better team, the honestly, the whole game. And then I know if you were watching the game, we all saw after – I believe it was right after the Packers cut it down to about a – I just want to say a one-score game. Um, Rodgers was – the camera went on to Rodgers on the sideline and Rodgers told his defense, get me a stop. I think everybody saw that on camera. He, you know, he hugged whoever it was, said, get me a stop. Well, dude, they picked up Brady two times in a row. And they couldn't take advantage of it. They couldn't take advantage of it. Now, I will say, you know, the, the refs were allowing them to play. And I, I think that made for a better game. Um, now, with that being said, what do you do, you know, with that call against Tampa Bay or against Green Bay? you know, to pretty much give Tampa Bay the win. Um I just you know, I just think I don't if, listen to the radio, man, time and time again, the the Packers do not help out Rodgers. They have Devontae Adams, that's it. That's it. You know, you you take out Devontae Adams, you got Aaron Jones fumbling the ball. You got all you know, you, you got nothing. And I it's not Rodgers' fault that he doesn't have any weapons. He, he has to do that much more. You know, I think a big turning point in that game for the Packers was who was it that dropped the two point conversion? Do you remember? They, somebody dropped a two point, it was literally in his hands and he just dropped it. And I think that was one of the big turning points. Was it Tanyan? No, it was one of the, I want to say it was either, I think it was St. Brown, uh, uh, like equilibrium st brown or whatever his name is i don't know (laughs) um uh but yeah i mean they that was a chance to i think get the deficit down to one or two and that pretty much changed the whole game man i'm not gonna lie it it he just has nobody else around him he has to do it all by himself and that's that sucks because he's a terrific quarterback to watch play and not once even when Tampa Bay was up by 18, I think that I feel like green Bay was out of that game and they weren't, it's just, he's got nobody to help.
1: All right. So you're a bears fan, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're a bears fan with the speculation of possible. And Roger said it himself. My future is uncertain. So is a few other people on this team, right? Would you rather have Deshaun Watson or would you rather with with quite a bit of a career in his in his windshield? Or would you have Aaron Rodgers where most of his career is in his rear view? Would you rather have the guy that's you know what he's gonna give and you might get maybe two or three years and maybe a deep playoff run? Or a guy that you should have drafted four or five years ago and you didn't? who you want.
0: Yeah, man. Um, you know, do I want somebody who's proven like Aaron Rodgers or do I want somebody like Deshaun Watson who I think has proven himself very well so far in the league? Um, and he's probably more controllable and it's just ironic that he's in the same draft as Mitchell Trubisky. Um, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for the Bears to admit they got it wrong and they... They probably do have to get rid of Mitch, I would assume. But it would be pretty cool if they could keep Mitch as, like, a backup. I, I think because he's a good – from everything I've heard, he's a good team guy. And I think if you throw him and Watson in a team locker room together, I think you're going to get a lot of success. Um, now, with that being said, I, I would definitely take Deshaun. Uh, I think he's got a longer career ahead of him, more control. And I honestly just think he's – I think he's proven himself valuable time and time again. So I I'm going to have to go with Deshaun on that one.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I get it because I mean, if you're looking at the future of what you're really going to have, right. I mean, what, how many more years does Rogers really have? Maybe three, four, if he's lucky. I mean, I think where the Packers are at right now, as soon as the Rogers era is done they're going to be a team that you don't hear much about for a while. Yeah. I know they got Jordan love in the draft and I feel like that was maybe a little bit premature drafting a quarterback when you could have gotten a skill position earlier in the draft at that point
0: to help out Rogers.
1: Right. But I like, like I would agree with you on the whole Deshaun Watson thing. Yeah. Rogers is probably the better quarterback. um, Slightly not by a lot in my opinion, but when you're looking at the future, if you, if you're not looking to hopefully put all your eggs in one basket and win a Super Bowl in the next two to three years, which I don't think the Bears are really ready for, I think they're another team that yeah I know you got you got you got talent positions at, at wide receiver. I think they could get a little bit deeper uh, on maybe like the tight end position. Obviously, I know you, you got Comment, but he would. I mean, he showed good late. Uh, but the Bears really aren't a team where even if I think you put somebody like Aaron Rodgers in, I don't think you're a Super Bowl team. Still, uh, I could be wrong. It could be that Mitchell Trubisky is just that bad, which is which is very reasonable. I would I I think I like like i said in shows prior. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is a good quarterback. I I know many backups in different spots around the league where. Mitchell Trubisky is not the best quarterback, right? Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I, I obviously it's probably going to be one of the two. I mean, it's either you, you're going to probably most likely see Deshaun Watson anyway. I think it's going to be hard for for Aaron Rodgers to leave Green Bay after everything he's created there. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what the Bears do with an actual decent quarterback. And I think, I think it should be exciting for Bears fans, but we'll see. I, I, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if, it's, if, if it was really Mitchell Trubisky's downfall or the Bears just aren't yeah. that good, right? Exactly. So, but getting back to kind of where the NFC Championship game is, right, because that's where we're looking forward and, and, and leading into our Super Bowl with Tampa and Kansas City, what was Tampa able to do early there, Pat, that allowed them to kind of get that early jump that Green Bay was really never able to recover from? They got close, but still at the end of the game there, they're forced to make a decision between a field goal, which I don't, I don't care. If you're, if, if you're the type of person who's more worried about analytics than you are the actual human being, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to agree with you more times than not. I understand there's some sports and some scenarios that, that analytics are what you hundred percent should go off. But in that scenario, even if they don't get the touchdown, and the two point conversion, they still have to score a touchdown after the, for deciding to kick a field goal. They still have to score a touchdown either way. Now I, I understand it was, it was above the two minute warning. They had three timeouts. I, I get it. I, 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 if that's what, LaFleur's reasoning behind that is it make it it allows for a discussion but in that point you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league give him a shot you know do you agree with LaFleur's decision or or a hundred percent disagree
0: yeah man I I think I actually I think I called you right after they they decided to kick the field goal and I was like bro Whoa, what are they doing? You know, you're sitting there like, you got the best. Now, it's fourth and goal from what, about the seven? I think that's where they were. And, yeah, I'm not going to lie, the Packers hadn't looked good. I mean, they just didn't look in sync like they did the week before. And they didn't like they looked the past, honestly, ever since that last Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. um, Now, with that being said, I – I I think – I don't think he made the right decision at the time, but looking back at it, I think it was the right decision because the Tampa Bay defense was just playing really good, honestly. Like, I hate to say it, they were playing pretty good. And I think that the Packers, they're in a tough spot now. They're – you know, what do you do? Do you re-sign Rodgers? What do you do? But the one thing I've noticed is that the successful NFL teams that I've noticed, they don't change their game. They don't change your game for anybody. They kind of, and this is going to sound really funny. Actually, they take a Madden like approach to the game. You know, you and me play Madden against each other all the time. If we turn the ball over with a minute left, we're throwing the freaking ball, you know? And if you look at Kansas city, what was it last when Henny came in? Um, what was that last week? Or was No, was that division weekend, right? Yeah, division weekend. You know, Henny comes in and a fourth down where if you give the ball back, you're probably losing the game. Um, and you got your backup quarterback out there. And Andy Reid says, you know what, buddy? Hold my beer. Let's run the same play we're going to run with Mahomes. We're going to treat this fourth and goal like a first and 10, get two yards. See you next week. And boom, what did they do? Bang, bang, bang. And then you look at, you look at what Tampa Bay did. Tampa Bay was up by 18 and they are still coming out, throwing the ball. Yeah, sure. They're throwing incompletions and interceptions, but they didn't change who they were. They would get one or two first downs, burn three minutes, four minutes off the clock Flip field position and say, here you go, beat us. And I it's funny that we say that, but like, dude, I like the way these teams are taking this Madden approach and are challenging the other teams to stop them at their own game. And I will say that is something the Chiefs did very well against the Bills. The Bill, I think we can both agree the Bills are a throwing team. They need the run to complement the pass, but they're nine times out of ten, they're gonna rely heavy on that, on that pass game when the chiefs made it one dimensional that they couldn't run the ball. And then the chiefs just made Allen just so uncomfortable during the game. You know, you, in my eyes, the chiefs came out and executed their game plan and they, they made, they made the bills do things that they probably hadn't done in a while and made, made them call plays that they probably just run in practice, but never probably were going to run a lot during a game. So, you know, you look at the two teams in the Super Bowl, you got the Chiefs and the Bucks. Both of them are very aggressive teams. They're going to, more times than not, I think most of them are going to go for it on fourth down. You know, as long as it's not their their own 10-yard line like you and me do in Madden. But, you know, I I think the aggressiveness of recent college coaches, I mean, NFL coaches, um, minus Doug Peterson, has paid dividends, you know, uh you got doug peterson he goes for two points freaking on field goals and stuff so you know (laughs) that's why he doesn't have a job no more but i i just think you're seeing this new i would say new wave honestly of play calling and making the other team beat you and you know it's not the traditional oh we're up by 21 let's run the ball three times get two yards run four minutes off the clock. Kicked them the ball at the 35. Oh, they scored a touchdown. Oh, they scored another one. Now, now you're pressing. Whereas if you keep the same routine and you keep, you keep your team playing your game, even if, even if green Bay comes back and makes it like they did, Tampa Bay doesn't have to change anything because they've been, they, they didn't change your game plan. And, you know, they're up 18 and they're still out there throwing the ball, running the ball and, you know, watching it as fans, you know, we're sitting there like, okay, they're up by 18. They're just going to like shut down. Now it's going to be a boring game. And honestly, dude, the game got way more exciting. Like I would, I I thought it was a fantastic game. Brady throwing interceptions. You got Rogers throwing. in. You got two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time through a combined four interceptions in the game. I mean, that's just, it's not awesome, but dude, that's awesome to see. And you know, I, I like this new wave of play calling. I think it's I think it's going to be beneficial and more appealing to younger crowds for the NFL. And that's why they that's why they did the games on Nickelodeon.
1: <laughs> so all right, Pat. So with what we saw really throughout the season, looking at Tampa, I mean, they looked like a team where I mean at one point they were eight and seven. All right. And it didn't look like a team like they were, they were on the kind of on the outside looking in. Uh, for for playoffs, I mean uh, seven and five. Excuse me, not eight and seven. Excuse me. Um, the way they've been able to turn it around, do you think that's all Brady or or what? What have they been able to do? I know they've finally been able to open up the run game, so it's not just making them kind of a, just a one dimensional team. But open up the run game with, I mean, Fournette and, and who knows who it's going to be in, in in during the Super Bowl if they can get healthy back there. But, I mean, do you – I think, obviously, looking at it right away, I mean, if you can get Jones back in a, in a healthy form, which I'm sure with two weeks off – I mean, well, technically three weeks because he didn't play in, in the game. Do you – I mean, is Tampa going to win the game because that's what they've, they've found now or is it something else?
0: Um, you know, I think we're honestly in a position to see – probably one of the better Super Bowls of recent years. Um, you know, you got the GOAT in my eyes, and I hate to say that as a Jets fan, but you got the GOAT in Brady against the new GOAT, Mahomes. You got two of the best quarterbacks, probably the two best quarterbacks in the league right now at this current moment going at it for the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I who do you pick? You know, who do you, do you pick the Chiefs? Do you, to go against Brady or do you pick the bucks to go against Mahomes? It's like, it's 50 in one hand, half of 50 in the other. It, you know, you really don't, I, I don't know, man. It's, I think it's going to be a really, really good game. And I, I give the edge to the chiefs right now, just because I think they have more, expl- I don't want to say weapons. I think they have more explosive weapons. I think they have guys that can beat you off. I almost said the dribble. They have guys that can beat you off the line. They have guys that can just, like Tyreek Hill, can run 70 yards in four seconds. And now, you know, you got Kansas City on a first and 10 on their own five-yard line. And now they have a first and goal, you know, on a slant. So, and I I really like the consistency we have seen out of Pat Mahomes this year. I think he's been probably one of the most consistent players not just quarterbacks but overall players in the NFL this year and you know Brady you're, you're not going to pick against the Bucks. you're just, it's just not going to happen because you're not going to pick against Brady but at the same time Brady you know Brady comes out and he throws if he comes out and throws three interceptions would I be surprised no if he comes out and throws six touchdowns with no interceptions am I surprised no but I don't, I don't know. I, I think consistency and explosive wise, I think you got to give the edge to the chiefs there. Um, When it comes to just game management, I just think you got to give it to, you got to give it to the chiefs. Um,
1: Bruce Arians is a close second though. I got to say.
0: Yeah. I mean, if there's a team that can do, you know, I almost said defraud the chiefs or dethrone the chiefs, it's going to be Bruce Arians. And going back to your question, you know, well, they were sitting at what seven and five. You said, mm-hmm. so they're sitting at seven and five, and we're sitting there, and we're all thinking, "Wow, Brady." You know, maybe it was Belichick that was successful after all these years. Maybe, maybe it was Belichick that you know made the made the Patriots what they were. Um, now, with that being said, I also believe that Bruce Arians had to make an adjustment. Bruce Arians went from having Jameis Winston last year to having the best quarterback in NFL history this year. And I think Bruce Arians was still trying to coach like he had um, Winston, but to, to a lesser degree, if that makes sense. I think it was about week 13 when they were coming off a bye. I think I heard on the radio that Bruce Arians actually took a step back and just let Brady run the offense, you know, Arians would give his two cents about what what plays he wanted to run or, you know, what he was seeing. But how are you going to take the ball out of the – you know, how are you going to take the play calling out of the best quarterback of all time's hands? And I think that's what we saw a lot of early when the Bucks were struggling, is Brady and Arians not on the same page, just not feeling one each other out. And now I think that, uh, you know, I think we're seeing – just how successful Tom Brady is and we're seeing that he was the one in New England that made all the difference and I just think it's been fun man I think it's been fun to see Brady rejuvenized Um, I think it's been fun to see Mahomes just out there balling it up throwing freaking double play balls for 50 yards and um, I think we're gonna see (laughs) yeah it's a hot take Um, I think we're gonna see a lot of I, I'm hoping we see a lot of scoring. I really do, man. I, I just hope it's a crazy good game. And I mean,
1: I, I honestly I think if we can see some of those double play balls, I'd some of those too. I'd be really impressed. I'd
0: be really impressed.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think when I look at it, I think it's got the ability to either be a really good Super Bowl or an absolute blowout. And I don't know which on which side, right? I think it's either going to look something kind of like last year where last year's Super Bowl was pretty good between the, between the Niners and the Chiefs, right? Or it could be something like you saw, uh, I don't know, a few years back when it was uh, Seattle and Denver, right? That game was, was over before it started in New York, right? But I think these are two teams – I mean, obviously they've, they've played each other earlier in the year and, it, and it, it was a really good game. And Kansas City still pretty much controlled it the whole way through. But I think this is a game, like I said, is either going to be whoever has the ball last or it's going to be a game where – and I think if it's a blowout, as crazy as it sounds, I think it's because of a Tampa Bay win. I think if the game is a blowout in any, in any fashion, it's from Tampa Bay. I think if Kansas City gets behind especially early and doesn't have an initial result, uh, response like they did against the Bills, it's going to be a long day for Kansas City. I think it's going to be because I, I, I saw Tom make throws on third and eights on fade routes down the down the uh, sideline that not made all year. He's looking like a brand new quarterback once again in the postseason, right? He's looking like that guy. But then again, you look at the other side and you see Patrick Mahomes. You know, it, it, it's 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 just one of those things. But the talent level on both sides of the ball. I think you got to give it to Kansas city against really any team in the entire league. It's Kansas city's got the, got the dudes, right. Playing at home for Tampa Bay, I think is a major, major advantage. Um, I I think some people may be overlooking that because it's still technically called a neutral site because it's none of their home stuff will be happening there. If that makes sense. I think it's funny that the, 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 the Buccaneers had to play three road games to play one game at home. And ironically enough, it's the Super Bowl. but looking ahead to the game, it's going to be a fun game to watch. I think if anything happens, it's going to be a good game, not a blowout. Um, But like I said, if it is a blowout, I I think it's going to be on the Tampa Bay sideline and they're going to be the ones celebrating. We kind of saw this coming though, before, before the Saints, before the uh, Saints game, right. In the divisional round. I know Pat, you kind of were on the Saints just because of kind of where they were going. But w- when I said, when I brought up the fact, that, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to deny that I didn't think the Saints were probably going to win too. But we also kind of stormed warning it when it came to the fact that it's Tampa Bay and it's Tom Brady, right? We used the hockey example of Kane and Taves and blah 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 blah. But again, here we are again in another Super Bowl with Tom Brady once again. Keep him out for one year. He ain't going to sit around too long. He's going to be right back. And if he wins this year, guess who's going to be in the league next year, right? I think it's got a chance to be a really good Super Bowl. Like I said, I I can't wait to see the scoreboard probably get lit up. I think there's going to be a lot of scoring and I think there's going to be a lot of scoring early and often. The team that's not able to respond early in the game will lose the football game. And I I think a lot of people can agree with that. I think the talent on both sides of the ball with Brady at quarterback, and then you got Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill and 15 other guys that are waiting in the wings, right? The team that doesn't respond early is the team that's going to lose the game. And you might see kind of a, a Green Bay, Tampa Bay scenario where one team might have a chance late. It'll be interesting. It's going to be a fun game to watch. But that's going to wrap it up for us. We'll be right back. Uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up with a few other things um, after this short message, and we'll be right at the back. Hey, guys, go on Instagram right now. Go follow A-R-E-S-F-I-T-C-O, Aries Fitco. Central clo- collection available now on AriesFitco.com. Uh, workout brand T-shirts, shorts, sweatpants, backpacks. You got a really cool Reddit hoodie that just came out pretty soon. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. Again, if you haven't followed them on Instagram yet, it's A-R-E-S-F-I-T-C-O or you can check out his website, ariesfitco.com, same spelling. Uh, Make sure you go check him out. All right, guys, so we're going to kind of do something new today, Um, and we're probably going to do this a few more times throughout the series, but uh, we're kind of bringing it in. want to get our producer, Michael Goodberry, from behind the scenes. We're going to give him a mic minute. Whatever Mike wants to talk about, whatever's on his mind, it's all up to him. I know ESPN kind of has, like, the, the bear, right, at college game day. Well, we have the mic or the moose, whatever you want to call them. And mm-hmm. It's the mic minute. So without further ado, I'm going to bring in Michael Goodberry. The floor is yours, my man.
2: Hey, Thank you. Thank you. Well, I want to talk about everyone complaining about MLB saying no to the universal DH. And I also want to get your guys' opinions on it too. Personally, I think uh, everyone calling for that universal DH is exposing how poorly we bring up our baseball players. The fact that everyone is complaining about, oh, pitchers can't hit. Well, tell me why we can't. Uh, I'm going to train our players to be better when uh, younger. My personal experience uh, growing up playing baseball, once I hit high school, I hit one hitting slump. Big deal. And then they're like, oh, nah, we're just going to put you as a pitcher. And we, pitchers don't hit anymore. Cool, fun. Now I can't, um, uh, You kinda wonder why uh, um, uh, pitchers can't hit well. Well, let's see. I, I spent four years not hitting from high school to college. Then I get one at-bat to my senior year and I swing a ball bounced out at the dirt out at the east battery box. No wonder why these uh, pros can't hit a ball uh, when they face the best pitchers in the world seven years later. They still have the talent of uh, a freaking JB player. Um, I, I think if we if we train our players younger, we train them like catchers to be absolute studs uh, um, where they know pitching counts. They know everything that goes on with the game. I feel like we'll have a better a better product for everyone and we won't have to water down our product to get younger viewers.
1: Yeah, man. and, I, and I, that's a good point you bring up. I know from like from a, from a college um, and professional standpoint, obviously, uh, it, it's really one or the other. So at some point, at co- in college, you have a few guys that are two way. Um, at the higher levels of college baseball, you see it less and less. But yeah, I, I, and I know a lot of people are kind of pissed off about the whole universal DH and not bringing it back and everything like that but from looking at it from the MLB's perspective obviously it's because they don't want their guys hurt right they don't they don't want they don't want the they don't want the pitchers to get hurt not too often do I see a pitcher go up there and get hurt while swinging a bat right so and I I agree with you I, I I think what people want to see is the, they want to see the universal DH because they don't want to see a pitcher go up there and sit there and see three straight pitches go right by.
2: Right? At the same time, we can say same thing about um, the position players. We don't want to see a random third baseman coming into the game when the game's already basically over and then throw four straight balls. I mean, if we're not good enough to hit, you, um, I don't want to see position players get on the mound that's not good enough to pitch.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen it. I've seen it time and time again. I mean, even even at CSU, when when Pat Arnt would come off the bench, I mean, he'd go up to the plate and and really wouldn't do much. But
0: come off the bench.
1: <laughs> I'm not arguing about doing much, but coming off the bench. <laughs> no, I, I gotta throw that to Pat Arnt because Pat Arnt came off came off the bench one game. Well, it wasn't really off the bench. It, it was it was a it was a pitch hit, but he he, ca- he came in after. Was it a one zero count or 1-1 count, Patty Ice? One zero count on Senior Day. <laughs> okay, so one zero count on Senior Day. We had we had Matt Sullivan go up to the plate for his last at bat. He was hurt, so he wasn't able to complete the at bat. But here comes here comes Pat Ice, uh, <laughs> and first pitch,
0: I think, right? I took a pitch, and then the very next pitch
1: T- took a pitch, and then the very next pitch sends one over the scoreboard. So, and, and kind of going back to your topic, Mike. Yeah, I. I I understand kind of like the, 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 the development of hitting throughout um, a player's career is, is definitely different. And what I can, what I want to say is I guess a rebuttal to your argument. And again, I'm on your side, but what most people are going to say is that at some point, some pitchers get to a spot where they don't want to work on hitting anymore. You know, the, like their, their, their main thing is pitching. They want to throw the ball 110 miles an hour. They're going to do everything they possibly can to throw a ball 110 miles an hour. But the development of hitting, I don't, I, I agree with you. I, I don't see why we give up on people so early. And, and, and like I say, it in high school players that listen to our podcast and, and, and guys that have, I've worked with and uh, lesson wise, or if even coached, I, I get, I get these all the time. I remember I was talking to a kid and I'm going to mention his name or the school, but I, I got a call from him. It was about almost a year and a half ago now. And he was a sophomore in high school and, it, and his coach was telling him already that he wanted him to be a PO. Okay. Well, right off the bat, I'm going to tell you a story. There was a high school coach in Las Vegas that Chris Bryant's first year wanted him to be a pitcher and not hit the ball. Look where that guy ended up and look where Chris Bryant ended up. Right. There's no reason to give up one or the other. I gave up hitting my, the start of my senior year, because I knew at that point I was already committed to, to college. And, and, and what it was going to be was to throw a baseball and not hit. And that's kind of why I gave it up, but anybody that's listening and, and you have, a, you have a coach that's telling you you're 14, 15, 16, 17 years old that's telling you you're not going to hit anymore you're in the wrong spot or, or vice versa. You got, you got somebody that's going to tell you you're not going to pitch anymore. I didn't take pitching seriously probably until my junior year of high school. That's when I finally took it seriously. And it afforded me a scholarship at the division one level. And now where I'm at at Ember Riddle. But like I said, if somebody is trying to tell you that you should be a, a one-dimensional player, especially in high school, you can tell them the battery said you're wrong. What do you got on that, Pat? Do do you, do you agree with me, or 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 you see it a, a completely different way?
0: No, man, I I uh, I agree with you. I think as a you know me being a catcher, you know I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do my whole life. Uh, pitching, you know, I pitch for fun every now and then. Uh, you know when we need a guy to scrap up some innings or something. But, uh, you know I think. Being a PO is something you'll 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 discover as you get older. You'll you'll start to figure it out. You're like, oh man, well, I can't really hit with the damn. Um, or man, I can't really pitch. You know, it's it's either one or the other. So, you know, it's gonna come down to ultimately, yeah, coaches are probably gonna say, Hey, we think this is in your best interest. But at the end of the day, you and your parents, you guys know what's good for you. Um, I would, I would say, you know, trusting my parents was a big, was a big difference in my playing career. Uh, you know, seeking advice from them and other coaches that you trust. I think finding coaches that you trust and not just play for makes a huge difference in your development as a player. Now, with that being said, again, you'll, the writing will be on the wall as you develop, you know, as you get older, you commit to a school you know, your senior year, maybe your senior year of high school, maybe you're hitting 500 or 400 or 300, you know, you're throwing 90 miles per hour off the mound, 85. You know, One of the two tools, you'll you'll see one start to emerge over the other. And if you're not sure, well, guess what? They have junior college, okay? So, you know, with that being said, I think Blake's 100% right, but at the end of the day, you're your best judgment, so.
2: Yeah, for sure. I just well, wish that I got the option to get a hitting coach because I see most players and there the you have people that are getting paid to tell you oh this is a little off um try to tweak this try try to tweak that I never got that and I kind of feel like if I got that Maybe I could have been two way. Maybe I could uh, actually impact the game more than just coming in randomly and being like, oh, here, here's, here's an inning or two. I can't do much to help my team. I, I hate feeling helpless on the mound or in any part of the game.
1: Well, talking about hitting coaches, uh, make sure you, you keep up with our Instagram uh, because we got one of the best ones coming on the show here, here in a few uh, days to weeks. Uh, we got Mike Bryant coming on the show. Chris Bryant's dad. Um, I've been lucky enough to know him, know his family uh, and, and be coached by him throughout my playing career. Um, and I know he's going to have some really good stories for us. So make sure you keep up with our Instagram. Uh, subscribe to us on, on your listening platform. Uh, we would really appreciate it. That kind of gives us feedback at um, kind of where our viewers are coming from. Oh, and shout out, to the viewer in Belgium, whoever that was, we, we, we got a viewer uh, We because we can see the analytics of our show. We had a viewer out in Belgium. So whoever that was, I appreciate it. and keep listening. We, 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 we like to broaden our horizons, I guess. But, um, yeah, no, with that said, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, probably do a quick uh, show before the Super Bowl next Sunday. Uh, kind of cover maybe some hockey Uh, obviously the baseball season's coming up and we even got March Madness here uh, fairly shortly. So with that said, I'm going to sign it off for Mike and Pat and I, um, and we'll see you soon again. Hope you enjoyed the show. Check out our Instagram and you'll be hearing from us shortly signing off for now.